0: Hi, I'm Eric Rosenberg from Personal Profitability, and when I'm not busy hustling my tuches off, I am stacking Benjamins. Live from Joe's mom's basement. It's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Duggan. How are your family members handling their personal finances? Today, we'll help the whole team kick butt with some help from the woman behind our scholarship mastery course, Pam Andrews. And the guy who kicks butt with the Earn and Invest podcast, Doc G. And finally, he's here to kick your butt three days a week. It's OG. Plus, what discussions about money should you have with your financial advisor? To help your portfolio align with your goals, today on our Friday Fintech segment, we'll talk to Kristen O'Grady from Seeds Investor. Later, we'll magnify Dan's money. He graduated last year and just converted to a full-time employee and got a big raise. Sounds like Dan's also a little bit of a bragger, am I right? (laughs) How should he alter his plan to get as much money working for him as possible? And finally, we'll tackle my trivia. Which will totally kick butt. And now, a guy who hasn't once asked me about my retirement goals, which may or may not include a camper, some moon pies, and a case of Dr. Pepper. It's Joe
1: Salcihi. Doug's got big, big goals, doesn't he? Hey, everybody, welcome to Moon Pies for the Win podcast. I'm Joe Salcihi, Average Joe Money on Twitter. We're going to have some fun today talking about money and families and how do you, A, teach your kids about money, keep the conversations open, and maybe talk to parents about money. And here, joining us as usual to help me kick off the weekend, it's my friend OG.
2: The end of spring break. I can't believe you actually got me today because uh, I put in my PTO request earlier this year and I was supposed to be off denied. today, just so you know.
1: I took out the rubber stamp and went, denied. Yeah. Yeah. We need you here. You know why? Because you've got three kids and you've had to teach them about money.
2: Uh, I do have three kids. It reminds me of the uh, Simpsons part. That was probably one of my favorite lines from Simpsons ever. Oh, I have three kids and no money. Why can't I have no kids and three money?
1: It's all logic. (laughs) Absolute logic, man.
2: (laughs) Why can't I have no kids and three money? You know, that's
1: why why I only had two kids. Because I knew that I only have two money then. If I had three kids and could have swapped, I would have had three, but big money, much bigger. There you yes. Go. The math works out at, when you stop at two. And a guy who, I didn't even know how many kids he has from the earn and invest podcast. Doc G's back. How many? There's Cameron, the whiz kid. And then Layla, my daughter.
3: But uh, you know, I've got two kids, but since we don't pay for anything, we put them to work early. I don't have to worry about how much they cost.
1: You, that's, that's it. You just have them edit the earn and invest podcast. Layla, what, goes to get your lattes? Is that the deal?
3: That's just the beginning of the labor that occurs in our household. So every morning we wake up at 4.30 and the kids start cleaning.
1: Good. Welcome to the Child Labor Podcast here. It's horrible. Absolutely rotten. And the woman who's wondering what the heck she's doing back here, the scholarship shark, the woman who runs our scholarship mastery program, Pam Andrews is back. How are you? I'm Well, I'm doing well.
4: How about you? Well,
1: good. You keep the kids working too? Or do you have three three money?
4: Yeah, I have four though. You have four money. I have four. (laughs) I do. So we're wrapping up uh, uh, my college kid. They're not calling it spring break. Same thing, but you know, it's a different name. They're calling it wellness week. They're hoping the kids don't all flock to Florida. So they called it wellness week.
1: Yeah, as if changing the name, kids are dumb enough. If you change the name, they'll never remember that last year we all went to Florida. There you go. <laughs> but you've had some good scholarship news in the family, haven't you?
4: I have. Uh, well, I mean, in my scholarship, like in my client family.
1: <laughs> well, in your client family you have, mm-hmm. and I know that your son's on oh, his way to school son. as well. That's correct. Yeah.
4: That's Correct. So kid number three. So I'll have two in college, but my third, who's a, a boy. Uh, so I have boy, girl, boy, I have boy, girl, boy, girl. But our second son will be going off to school. It looks like he has earned a significant amount of money as well. So that's yeah. awesome.
1: And, and you had somebody else in the program just recently got a nice art, Scott, beautiful art.
4: Yes. Yes. So art scholarship, as well as a couple of um, very significant scholarships, one for environmental advocacy work that she does, and then another one just for different essays that she's been writing.
1: That is fantastic. Well, you're talking with the kids, not just your kids, but with all kinds of kids about money and about school all the time. That's the topic today. Everybody has kids. Everybody has parents. Let's talk about how you talk with your family about money. But first, this episode sponsored by State Farm that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.
0: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile.
1: We got OG here. We got Doc G here. We got Pam Andrews here to save the show. Let's get moving. Well, I know we've had a lot of discussions lately. In 2021, we've talked a lot about how you talk about money, but we haven't had this discussion, which is teaching your kids about money and broaching the subject in, in the right way. And then also, working with adult children on money and uh, parents uh, on money. And this this comes to us from the New Retirement blog. Kathleen Coxwell over at New Retirement wrote this. We'll link to it in our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com if you want to follow along. But the piece is family and money, tips for discussing finances and retirement with your loved ones. And a few points that they make are these. The National Alliance for Caregiving And the American Association of Retired Persons, (ARP) estimate that 22.4 million U.S. households, nearly one in four, are now providing care to a relative or friend, meaning that we could probably be doing a better job of helping people ahead of time. 40% of baby boomers who have a living parent are helping take care of that parent, either financially, personally, or both. NerdWallet wallet found that 80% of parents of adult children are covering or have covered at least a portion of their adult children's expenses after the child turned 18. And so communicating about money is something they say we need to do a better job on. They make two points, which Pam, I think we'll start with you. Kathleen opens up here saying two things, Pam, communicating about money makes everyone better at personal finance, but it also leads to financial confidence. I know you talk about money with your kids. Have you seen with your older kids, now that they're out in the world, have you seen financial confidence from them?
4: (laughs) Sorry to laugh. Or or more confidence asking mom for help. Yeah. So my oldest graduated. So I have two 2020 grads, a high school 2020 and a college 2020. So my college 2020 grad is my oldest son. You know, of course, he graduated in a COVID climate, but he's, he's actually doing okay. What I find for me, this is just me, but it worked better when I had them under the roof because now it's like, yeah, mom, I know, I know everything. So I said, you know, let's, I said, you're starting off on a really good position. He's really good about listening for the most part, but I always think you can save and invest more. Like I say, do this now while you're single. So I find that the conversations were much easier for him when he was in the house. Now my daughter is a little bit easier. Uh, My current college student, you know, she listens. She's doing actually two internships. One is unpaid and one is paid. She didn't, wasn't expecting either one to be paid. I said, you know, you don't need this money. Sock it all away. And at first she was like, well, I saw these jeans I wanted to get. I said, well, treat yourself, get the jeans, but sock the rest away. So she's a little bit more open, but I think because they both have different end games, end goals. So she knows where she wants to end up and the kind of work she wants to do. And so she's very focused on making sure financially she's secure so that she. But if your
1: son, if your son, even though you said he doesn't listen as well, (laughs) it, it sounds like, though, he doesn't lack in confidence,
4: right? Yes. That's true. I, I think you're right. I think having conversations and, and I always tell parents, it's funny, you know, when I meet a family, I tell them, you know, you don't start with the college money talk, like the senior year you start when they're little and you're standing in the line and they're having a fit because they want something. And they just think, well, just use your card, the you know, or the machine's going to spit out the money or, you know, they don't understand. So at every stage you have these conversations. Yeah. Um, and I think with every conversation does come that confidence. And so it's really important to have those conversations early and often um, with kids to develop that confidence, you know, so that they're fiscally mature and responsible every Abs- step of the way.
1: Absolutely. Doc, your kids both confident, uh, Cameron and Layla, pretty financially confident.
3: So I think they are confident, but we've been really thoughtful about how to teach them about money. And I, I really think there are three ways. They're conversations, which I actually think are the least successful. Really? Then there's then there's modeling when they see what you do and then there's experiential learning when they're given a little money and they can either succeed or fail based on their own wit What I learned from my parents is they didn't really talk about money much, but they did a lot of modeling. So with my kids, we model a lot of financial behavior. We get them involved somewhat in our decision making. And then the second part is we try to give them some experiences. So, for instance, for my kids from a very young age, we gave them a yearly allowance on January 1st, but then also made them responsible for buying their clothes and a few other things. So they had to apportion their own allowance throughout the year and try to figure out what they could and couldn't buy on. And that was really important because it gave them kind of some space to succeed
1: or fail, but in a very safe way. That $8 lasted all 12 months, Doc?
3: Well, you know, of course, I was willing to put them to work so they could gain a little extra based on on all that work. So, as you know, my son edits my podcast, but that was also another part of that experiential learning. So because he edits my podcast, I would pay him for that. But then he would
1: have to decide what to do with that extra money. Oh, gee, I've met uh, your kids. They're they're very confident about money.
2: I was just thinking about if I were to hand my middle kid all of his money on January 1st and say, you've got to hang on to it. By January 1st at roughly 7 a.m., he would have 400,000 tokens on Fortnite and <laughs> be barefoot the whole school year. Like, well, dad, sometimes but you, but the cookie crumbles.
1: Son, your oldest son would not spend a dime of it.
2: Yeah, Alex is a great saver. William is working on being a great a great saver. Yeah, I don't think that... um you know, we do as great a job of in- engaging them in some of the day to day decisions because I also recognize that there's kids don't have any perception. You know, a hundred dollar bill is just as much as a thousand dollars is, is just as much as ten thousand, is just as much as a hundred thousand. They have no concept of the exponential increase maybe a hundred, I guess, in a thousand. They probably have. But if we told the kids a vacation to Disney cost five thousand dollars or you know a vacation to hawaii costs 10,000 in their minds that's just about the same number that's a challenge that we're working on right now my uh, oldest who is uh, 14 almost and and he said dad you know i could start driving in like a year i'm like yep practice and he said so when i turn 16 do we just do we just go get my car that day or <laughs> or how does it work and i'm like that's a funny so you go question. Get it and hand me the key. Yeah, like do we just happens? go pick it up? like yeah. is, it, is it here when I get home from school that day? Like <laughs> what's the order of events and and I just thought that was super funny. So obviously I'm failing on the uh, money conversation talk. but no, we do you know from a lesson standpoint, we do, do talk a lot about the the impact of investing and the impact of being a lender and the impact of having the bank involved in your life. And generally anytime the bank's involved in your life, it's gonna suck. For some reason, if they're holding your money, they suck at paying you back. If you've borrowed money from the bank, it sucks because they take all your cash. But if you're the owner of an organization, if you're a part owner of a company, like you're a shareholder of a stock, you know you get paid quite handsomely. Even if it's only fifty-two cents from Apple, that's fifty-two times what uh, the bank's going to pay you. So,
1: I'm excited to see now that my kids are 25, the financial confidence they got because Cheryl and I were open about money. My daughter was very much like William. Big time spender, but we called it out all the way through high school and, and learned lessons. It's okay to be a spender. Dad's a spender. So you play tricks on yourself and autumn became much to her credit, the world's best thrift store shopper, like phenomenal. So she still gets to feed her fashionista itch. But she spends as little money as possible. And now she's very proud of the fact that she does not spend money on clothes. She gets to shop for clothes all the time, but doesn't spend much money. And so that was really cool. My son now owns four rental properties. He was much like Alex where he, he, you gave, you gave this kid a dollar and you never saw it again. And he would ask you for another one, like no matter what he was like, Hey dad, you got a dollar? I'm like, what? So it goes in your piggy bank and I never see it again. He, <laughs> he's, he's doing incredibly well, but to see them pay them back to your kids with four kids and to your point between your son and your daughter, the next point on this list says, think about family members, not family money. You got to teach your kids individually. Like it's not a, it's not a blanket statement where you can treat them all the same
4: you're absolutely correct with everything I mean because they're all different they just are how they process what triggers them how they handle money all of it and Same. I was just thinking about I have one I'm thinking it's same thing if we gave him money for the year <laughs> don't manage it I mean you know you just he would have clothes and he would be okay with that like he would really like legitimately be okay like oh okay well who needs clothes Yes, I'm fine. And as they get older, as they go through different stages, what helped us? And this is, you know, your first kid is just an experiment. It just, you know, we just, (laughs) we, we have experimented with you. We are learning on you. We will continue to learn. That's what we tell our 23 year old. Pam's Pam's
1: oldest, Pam's oldest, by the way, is named RD used to be RND, but they, (laughs) they research and development. For
4: sure. (laughs) But our biggest regret, we wish he had gotten a job sooner my husband's self-employed and he would do stuff in the business, but eh, if he did it, he did it. If he didn't, I'm like, stop paying him. You know, if he doesn't do the work, stop paying him. But he didn't get his first job until after he graduated from high school. And now my daughter, she has a side hustle, front hustle, back because The girl loves to work. She loves wow. money. She loves it. And then our, our third one, he's working, um, cleaning offices. He loves it. And so I think if, if it had been his money in terms of, you know, using air quotes, like his yeah. money, because I, so this is funny. My husband and I differ on, I, I always love hearing conversations about allowance because we differ on allowance. We would, this was like one of the biggest arguments we would have. And I tend to win when it comes to arguments in the family. <laughs> but I'm like, no, my husband's like, they need an allowance. How are they going to learn how to manage money? And I said, I don't like allowances. That's recycled money. I tell them, go get your own new money and you bring that into the household, but I'm not giving you money and dad's not giving you money just to kind of recycle in the, you know, so, but maybe we should have done that with the oldest. So oh. yeah, so to answer your question, we, you know, you learn with the first one and then you're like, mm, that didn't quite work. And so with each kid, you get better.
1: Let's go there. I was going to bring that up later about allowances, but Pam, since you kicked it off, doc, what do you think about, uh, allowances in your family? So we did have allowances, but again, we did the yearly allowance.
3: So I think it's reasonable as they get to a certain age that they can have some spending money. And I think it's important that they learn how to allocate that money and use it for their needs. You can argue back and forth whether they should have to have chores for that or should they have little quote unquote jobs. I think that really depends on your family culture. Uh, which gets back a little bit to the question you started before. I think each child is individual, but I think you also develop a family money culture, which is important for your children, especially if you start when they're young. So our family culture was you were going to get an allowance, but you were going to have to figure out how to allot that allowance. And we were going to actually not, the allowance wasn't just for fun and play. We were going to give you a little bit more, but then you were going to be responsible for some necessities like clothes. And so that was our way of trying to give them a little bit of responsibility along with what otherwise could be called a gift. Did either one of them run out of money before the end of the year? They haven't, but they were unexpected. So my son, for instance, especially from even a young age, was very electronic focused. And he even before he had a cell phone plan, he always had a phone so he could access the internet and do things with it. And he had allotted all his money for the year. And then he accidentally dropped his phone while canoeing. In the river. And so that was, you know, that was a big learning point. It's like, well, you already spent everything you had to spend, and what you have left over is for necessities. Unexpected things happen. And what are you going to do in the future when something unexpected happens? Are you going to have enough money? Aren't you going to have enough money? It's the beginning of the emergency fund conversation. uh, And it was something that we could bring in early on so that he could start learning responsibility by failing, but again, by failing
5: safely.
1: We would do something similar. I gave them a larger allowance than probably kids should have at their age. The number that uh, I was told by somebody that had, I thought, a great strategy on this was a weekly allowance that was double their age. So whatever their age is, it was double that amount of money. And and you go, what the hell does an eight-year-old need $16 a week? For-? They don't. They totally don't. However, I would rather, and this is the way it was presented to me. And I totally agree with that. I was in college and messed up my credit while in college. I'd never been trusted with a dollar. I was handed money whenever I went out. My parents just gave me enough for that day. Never trusted. I would rather my kids made a $16 mistake than the thousands of dollar mistakes that I made, which meant that our, our allowance had to be a two pronger. Number one was we had to give them this rather large allowance. Then we had to let them fail with it, which was so hard to do. We'd be at, you know, target. And my daughter wants to buy the most ridiculous thing that she's never going to, never going to use again. It's, it's just a horrible thing. And I had to shut my mouth and let her buy it. And then I had to mark something on my calendar for a week later saying, circle back and ask her, Hey, Autumn, how's that thing? And she'd be like, what thing? You know, the thing you spent $15 on last week. Oh, I didn't remember that thing. And man, it was hard, but holy cow. OG allowances in the OG family?
2: No, we don't do allowances for no good reason. We've fiddled with it back and forth, but the boys are now old enough to do stuff for money. So they do a lot of babysitting. You know, If we want to go get a bite to eat or go play nine holes of golf or something like that, they can watch Caroline for, for the few hours that we're stepping away. You know, and they earn money for that. And then, if they want something, they'll usually come and ask. They'll say, "Hey, I need twenty bucks. Like, what's worth twenty bucks around here?" And then, uh, it's also helping them negotiation skills because I'm like, "The fence needs a stain. Like, that seems like it take a long time." I'm like, "Yeah, twenty dollars. What do you think?" And they go like, "Uh, no. How about I wash windows instead?" I'm like, "When? Let's do that." <laughs> <laughs> deal which
1: is what you wanted in the
2: first or, place or or wash the baseboards or something you know something that I'm never going to do I you know I'm too old to be washing baseboards that's not going to happen ever again in my life so I can get get my kids to do it but we pay him for that um and just like you said with the, with yours you know you got to watch them you got to watch them and let them fail and this was a lesson that we had I was tired of finding money around the house I mean I don't know about you guys but I don't generally leave money lying around like it's in my wallet or it's in my desk drawer or so, you know, it's in a place. It's not just on the floor or on a table,
1: exactly. A, a which desk drawer, by the way. Yeah,
2: exactly. None in the basement, sadly. Oh, but we would do that. You know, the kids would have a holiday or they'd have a birthday. And two days later, there'd be a $50 bill just sitting on a table somewhere. And I'm like, this is BS. I'm tired of this. So we made a rule that firstly, any money that's found anywhere belongs to me. If I see it, I'm picking it up and it's mine. End of discussion. I don't care if you dropped it. I don't care if you lost it. That's your responsibility. It's now mine. And that kind of goes everywhere because, you know, I left a dollar on the table one time. The kids were like, yoink, this is mine. You know, Uh like I left it, you know, you tip the pizza guy or something, you know, and they give you some change back. And I left it on the countertop, hadn't gotten made it. So lesson learned. But the other thing that we did was we started creating our own currency. So the Secret Service doesn't have to get involved here because we're not spending it outside of the household, but (laughs) but it serves the purpose, like you said, of letting them fail, but also not having them really fail. So we call it dad bucks, and so they get paid in dad bucks, which are just real dollars, but like shrunk way down. So I followed the followed the Secret Service guidelines; it has to be like one tenth the size, which I did. And so we pay them in that, and then they can convert those dad bucks into real stuff. So if they're like, "Hey, I want to buy this thing on Amazon," I go, "Cool, it's nineteen dollars." They'll give me 18 or something. I try to slide one in another. You know, but, but the to,
1: inflation rate's horrible. It takes 63 dead bucks to equal one. Exactly.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's, 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 that's lesson number two. Yeah, that's that's lesson number two. Guess what? We we now have Zimbabwe's inflation. Here's the trillion dollar bill.
1: I was thinking when Brazil had to devalue their currency.
2: <laughs> that yeah. would be a good idea. We devalued, devalued. it. Like, <laughs> like taking taxes out of the Halloween basket.
1: I'm sorry, dad devalued his currency. What does that mean? It's a tough lesson. I it know.
2: <laughs> it's. <laughs> I
4: love that. I, I love the dad, yeah. but I'm stealing that. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to do mom bucks. Well, it, you it.
2: know, it works because if they lose it, they learn the lesson of they lost the money. But in real life, they didn't. You know what I mean? Like in their life, they did. But I still stay sane because they didn't.
1: I had a client when he was a financial planner wanted to teach his kids about taxes so he would give them their allowance and in front of them he would withhold taxes he would take some back and but the cool thing was that went into their giving fund and they could decide where the the money went but it was not going national be debt it was national debt.
2: They put it toward the national debt, obviously. <laughs> That's
1: it. The, the nation of debt. Hey, there's two more things I want to get here uh, to here that are super important. There's so many important things. It's such a great piece. But um, it says start by knowing and sharing. The key word here is sharing your financial strengths and weaknesses. We're all strong enough to pat ourselves on the back with our kids and tell them how great mom or dad are with their money. But sharing your financial weaknesses with your kids Pam, what do you think?
4: Oh, I I do. I I tend to be very transparent with my kids. You know. You don't
1: come across like you're transparent at all.
4: Oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. You see right through me, literally. Like, (laughs) I do. I think that it's really interesting. I'm like the woman in the room, right, with the dads. I'm listening. But I think, and maybe because you guys have the financial background, the financial education, financial literacy background, but my husband tends to be very guarded, like just little things. Like, oh no, I don't want them to know this. I don't want, I'm like, why not? They, they need to know these things. So that was my dad, by the way, Pam, uh, we would
1: walk in the room while they're having a financial conversation. My dad told us we had to turn around and walk out financial conversations, not for kids.
4: Yeah. And, and that's what I love about, you know, cause I always try to turn my husband on the like podcasters, like, okay, just listen. Cause maybe like he can glean from other dads, other men, you know, and how, how free you talk about money. But I definitely think it's good to share Your strengths, your weaknesses. And as a woman, I'm definitely sharing with my daughter. And I also share with my female clients a lot too. (laughs) You know, like I kind of give a lot of mom wisdom when when I'm working with them, but I'll just speak about my own daughter. I just share money wisdom with her in terms of even little practical things. So you're going out on this date, be ready to pay your own way. And call me when you get there and have your own Uber money ready to go and all this stuff. And then, then of course, my husband doesn't even know she's gone on this date, right? And so he's like, oh, sh- she's going where? <laughs> so, that's how transparent my daughter and I are. Extremely close. And I know everything. But but I think it's important to share strengths and weaknesses because a lot of times they don't know how we got where we got to. They just, know, they just think we were always here. Like, yeah. You know, like we just, we, we were just always, we always were, you know, whatever. And like, no, no, no. there were a lot of bumps and bruises and a lot of mistakes and you'll make your own mistakes, but you don't have to make the same mistakes that I made. You can go make other mistakes and learn from it and grow. But I think it's very important to transfer the, the strengths and our knowledge and then just flat out tell them where we messed up. I didn't learn this until I came literally into this financial literacy world. It doesn't take 30 years to pay a mortgage. Isn't that bizarre? I never knew that. Like, really? But well, that's what they say. They give you a thirty-year mortgage. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, oh, you can actually pay it off less. L- literally. And as silly as this, the way I I go into knowing, like, you don't have to go into debt to get an education. Like, duh, that's like common, right? So, you know, I'm telling my two young adults, our two oldest. Yes, this is what you can do, and I turn them on to you guys all the time because I want them to get. When I share my weaknesses, I say, okay, I didn't know this, but these are some people who really know what they're talking about. Listen. And when you got them in the van and you just play it. Did you
1: just, did you just accuse us of knowing what we're talking about? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Don't
4: ever do that in public. (laughs) What are you trying to do to us? Absolutely. Back back away from that microphone, Pam. (laughs) So yeah, so definitely share it. I think it's good.
3: Doc, how about you? I think it's important for your kids to Learn and hear about your financial decisions. And so, again, I think that's part of that important modeling. So, we discuss a lot with our kids. I don't tend to like pull out the net worth number, but for instance, if we're buying or selling properties or if we're buying something that's expensive like a car, we'll actually show them the numbers. You know, strengths and weaknesses, it's always hard for me to talk about those because I'm not sure I understand that more as kind of choices you made and didn't make, right? So I guess they're they're things you know and don't know. But what we really try to do is make sure they understand what choices we made and what the reasons were, and I guess what the outcomes in the end. So I think it is important for them to see. And I'm not a big fan of secrets. So I, I think that your kids should know about your finances. That doesn't mean they should go out to the playground and tell every every friend about how much money you have and what you do with it. But I think within the family unit, it shouldn't be something of embarrassment. It shouldn't be something that we hide from each other. I think that's, again, building that kind of family culture of understanding your finances that will bring that confidence later on as they get older.
1: You never know what your kids are going to inadvertently say. Oh, gee.
2: Yeah. Kids definitely do say the, say the darndest thing. I, one of my kids, friends, his family is very wealthy. I don't remember the kid's name, Morgan or something. Morgan's got a million dollars. I'm like, Morgan doesn't have a million dollars. Morgan's dad has a million dollars. Morgan's mom <laughs> might have a million dollars. Morgan doesn't have a million dollars. You know, On the sharing is caring type of concept here, we've been pretty open, I think, with all of the mistakes you and I, Joe, have talked about over the years on the show I've made it pretty public that just about every financial mistake that you could think of that you could have made, I've done twice, once, because I didn't know better and the second time to see if it was really as bad as I thought. And, um, <laughs> it was
1: in the name of science.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I just research stuff so that you guys don't have to, but, um, I don't think that I spent, I would kind of with Doc G on this. I don't know that I spent a lot of time on the, uh, so back in thought seven when your mother and I were struggling financially we went out to dinner and it was really stupid you know or stuff like that I I don't know that that really can't, comes up but we do celebrate a lot of the a lot of the wins like you were saying you know if you have an opportunity to uh, to involve them in a decision we're evaluating a rental property right now which seems like a no-brainer to me but I gotta I gotta convince Mrs OG which is weird because it's like this is so easy but so we're kind of looping the kids in on it anytime everybody
1: up on mom is that yeah, why pretty much yeah,
2: sadly, that actually happens, and I, I don't want it to happen. But the boy sometimes, like my oldest, he's you know he's almost fourteen, right? So he's got a little bit of a, he's got a little attitude, got a little sass to him. He's a teenager. He's getting tough. He can kind of talk back. See what happens. Sam so,
1: was talking about that a little bit earlier. I don't know about the talk back, but somebody's pretty confident.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. He he's he was really confident, and he said something under his breath the other day that almost got him a night like outside. I mean, he said something like. To, to my wife, I mean, not to her because he's he's smarter than that, but under his breath, said something like, I don't even understand why it matters. You don't even work. Oh! oh. oh. oh.
4: Are you oh. kidding me?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. And she heard about it because she could hear him saying something as he walked up the stairs, and then the other one ratted him out. The other one was like, oh, <laughs> watch this. If
1: I, could, if I could throw my brother under the
2: oh, bus. Yeah. And he was yeah. just happened to be walking by, and so he kind of got a you got a lesson in where he rates totally. in the hierarchy of the family pretty quickly. See
3: that same thing happens in my family too, except my son says it about me as opposed to my <laughs> wife. <laughs> like, even
2: but work. I'm, but I'm okay with that. <laughs> I wish well, I, I wish that they would say that about me. My dad's silly. He just, he just sits around and plays golf and Xbox all the time. What a loser. Like, yes. Mission accomplished.
1: <laughs> Perfect. This piece goes on. It talks about having meetings, about having regularly scheduled family meetings. We never did that. Anybody do that one where you regularly scheduled family. I think that's a great idea and involving kids in that, I think is, is great. And then, uh, focusing on shared values to drive a discussion. Like I love doc, what you said about like your family values and, and vocalizing that, you know, this is what we value. I know our family always had a, um, mantra that my kids can still tell you, which is we will not be outworked. Like you might you might be smarter than me, but you are not going to outwork a C-high. It just ain't going to happen. I like the fact they talk about celebrations. and Don't mix the financial conversation with the celebration itself. So there's a lot here, and I'll link to it on our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. And it also applies, by the way, with talking with parents. They turn this around and say it really isn't that much different talking with parents. But I guess your biggest takeaway when it comes to these financial conversations, we'll have our guest of honor, Pam, go last. OG, biggest takeaway?
2: it's not the old way of doing stuff anymore. You know, it's not the man goes out and works, man makes money, man cashes paycheck, gives little to wife, you know, that stuff's that's dead, man. That's been dead for 30 years, probably not just with your spouse, but you, you, the more that you can educate your people around you, not just even your kids, but you know, your parents, if you're lucky enough to have them around and still be able to, to help make help them make better decisions, your cousins, your nieces and nephews, your aunts and uncles, like all the people around you, uh, in your community. That's how we do better as a group, and it's not coming from school. Like you don't graduate high school with a with a CFP, you don't graduate college with a CFP. It, you sometimes graduate college sadly with a whole bunch of debt, and you don't have any idea how long you're going to pay for it. You know, so uh, so this stuff starts at home, and, and if you can help it out, I think that's that's the message,
1: Doc.
3: Yeah, be intentional, be thoughtful. And and you know, do your fire drills. You know, we talk about this this idea of allowing our kids to fail and fail safely. It's the whole idea of practice, right? So whether it's talking to your parents or talking to your kids, all of these conversations are like fire drills. They're preparing you for the real deal one day when you have to make these difficult decisions. So if you do your fire drills now, you're gonna be a lot better off when decisions actually have to be made.
1: Pam, you've got the last word.
4: Yeah. The big takeaway for me, I think, because we never talked about money growing up and now my mom's in a place where, you know, her health is fragile, you know, th- to ask, you know, kind of what's in order, what's what, you know, she's thinking, well, are you going to, you know, you're trying to get rid of me? Like, no mom, but you know, cause that's just my sister and I, we just want to know what are your wishes and all that. So I think by talking with your kids and just making all kinds of money conversations, uh, like a part of the culture as I get older and maybe it's Me being selfish, you know, I'm hoping that later on I can have very open conversations with my kids. They understand my wishes and can respect, you know, mom and dad's wishes and whatever when I'm way, way up there in age. So I, I just think it's kind of a full circle. Like you're always in some stage of this money conversation, whether you're on the receiving end, you know, parenting or you're planning for aging parents, you don't escape it. I'm sitting right at that intersection of both college kids young adults, high school students. I've got a 10 year old, and then I've got an 80 year old mom who now lives with my sister because she can no longer live on her own. And my sister and I always have these conversations. So I think you just do your loved ones a big service when you just talk about it, whether it's your kids and you're talking to them about it, or if it's your parents or parents, older parents talking to to, uh, their adult children.
1: This episode sponsored by State Farm you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget. Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies Well, on the Friday FinTech segment, we talk about cool ideas that are either on your computer or on your phone that maybe the big organizations, sometimes we profile things the big organizations are doing, but often they're small organizations that I was really excited to hear about this one. This group does not even speak with individuals. They're talking to financial advisors about having better conversations about aligning your values and your goals, like we talked about today, with your portfolio. So let's learn more about Seeds Investor and uh, Kristen O'Grady coming down to the basement. And on my dad's shortwave radio, it's our new friend, Kristen O'Grady. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks, Joe. Excited to be here today. I'm looking at your backdrop. And for those of you not watching on the YouTube channel, you have a dollhouse behind you, which is so that's the serious work you guys do at Seeds.
6: We do. Yeah. You know, we like to bring our play into our work. And so um, it's important to have things that you really enjoy to do. Uh, no, seriously. So I thought the perfect setting for today would be my daughter's bedroom.
1: It has <laughs> it, it to be. Nice job. We're in the basement, you're in daughter's bedroom. You know, you guys are all about ESG investing and we'll talk about that in the future. But do you like that name? Do you like, because I know it used to be like socially responsible investing, but then people, as you know, back in the old days, they would, it would be categorized based on what it wasn't, right? It it didn't allow this, didn't allow that, didn't allow whatever. So they changed the name to ESG. I'm not even sure if that's good. What do you you think about the terminology?
6: I don't love it. I think that the terminology doesn't really matter, and there's so many different ways that people are talking about it. And what really matters is the the meaning in it, and what actually we can do to make money more meaningful. So I actually don't think it matters what you call it. It's more about you know how do we actually invest in businesses that are caring about people in the world, and guess what? That's better for business. So I think if we could, you know, maybe we can come up with a different term on the show today. But um, but yeah, no, it's more about the meaning. And I think this is the future of investing. So you don't really need a term. I think in the future, it's just going to be called investing. It
1: also used to be, people used to say, oh, Kristen, that's very nice. Investing Mm -hmm. according to your values. That sounds cute and everything, but it doesn't pay. And that's what I heard for a long time. Yet I was on uh, investmentnews.com this morning and ESG Investments taking home some big prizes for being like the places to invest. It turns out now that investing according to your conscience is probably also great for your wallet.
6: Exactly. And so you're totally right. Where it started with the SRI was all about negative screens. It was all about let's eliminate tobacco, let's eliminate different sectors. And then, of course, it's hard to get benchmark returns when you're just taking things out of an investment portfolio. So where it is now with ESG or whatever we want to call it is why don't we invest in good businesses and good businesses treat their employees well and they treat um, their supply chain well and their operations are more efficient and that therefore that's a better financial decision for the future and also at the same time helps the environment. And so what's changed and what I've seen coming from, you know, large asset managers and banks now what's changed with the investment thesis is this is actually a better way to invest because Because in addition to financial factors, you're looking at kind of all of the company's operations, which are financially material.
1: Let's talk about your background, Kristen, because you have a deep background in this this area. How did you first get started with investing based on your values?
6: Yeah, thanks for that. I love how we can use impact investing to make all of our money more meaningful. And so, you know, I spent almost 15 years in what I'll call big finance, which is large asset managers and banks. And what I did there was I created investment products, mutual funds, as well as large product platforms. And while I was there, I heard about impact investing and I fell in love with it. It was a way that we could use all this capital, all this money invested in the world and reallocate it to companies to actually make a difference, to actually grow our wealth and make it a better world. And so at the time I started, you know, learning more about the space and I started getting pushback because many people at that time felt like, oh, this is a millennial thing or we're giving up returns as we talked about earlier, which is a misconception. And the industry, you know, over time has now evolved, which is awesome. So I got involved with it. I ended up launching a few funds in the space while I was in, in big finance. Really what I realized is in order to customize investment products to what people actually believe in their personal values, you need to build that from the bottom up. It's hard to just take a generic product off the shelf from these institutions. And so that's when I met Zach Conway, the CEO of Seeds, and he's a financial advisor by background. And what he realized in his practice is a lot of clients were asking for this, but there wasn't a good way to talk about ESG or talk about the client's values. So how do you have the conversation? And then once you do, there's all these confusing products out there. So then how do you put the portfolio together that really yields a financial return, gets to the financial targets of the client, plus aligns with what they care about. And so that's what's missing from the market. It's a really the simple tool to talk about values and then also to build this customized investment portfolio. And that's what Seeds is. So I left and joined Zach and team to create Seeds um, to do just that. He must've thought then, Kristen,
1: that uh, advisors kind of missing this discussion overall. And if so, assuming the answer to that is yes, that advisors are missing it. How does the whole process then begin of talking to clients if you're an advisor and having this discussion?
6: That's exactly it. It, It's changing the conversation. It's educating the advisors, giving them the tools so that they can feel confident having the conversation. And so what Seeds is, it's really focused on the advisor to client experience. It's a tech-enabled dashboard where an advisor can sit down with a client walk through a simple survey process where they're getting to know their client better. Number one, getting to the heart of how a client makes decisions. So whether they're analytical or whether they're, so they want to know about the numbers and the performance or their big picture. And they want to know how can I invest and actually, you know, in companies that take carbon out of the world and all of that. And then talk about, you know, what's really important to the client. Do they want to invest in companies that let's say pollute less or something? At the end of that really clear, meaningful process between an advisor and a client, the advisor can propose a portfolio that aligns with what they just heard. So now the client you know, sees up on the screen, oh wow, the advisor actually knows me, how I like to invest, how I think about investing, And what I care about in the world. How do I make decisions in my life? And I can actually do that now for my investment. I have a choice there. So it's really about that client experience. Are are advisors telling you that um, they're surprised by the conversations they have? They are. Yeah, they are. So many advisors initially say, you know what? A lot of my clients aren't really asking for ESG. And we're not surprised about that. I mean, like you said, like a lot of people don't even know what ESG is, but when you bring it up proactively to a client and say, Hey, you know, there's another way we can invest. We can actually, you know, talk about your values and align your investments to your values. Are you interested in exploring this? One of our advisor teams we work with, you know, 90% of the time they're clients say, yes, of course. Why wouldn't I want to explore that? I'd love to have choices with my money. I'd love to know where my money is going and um, love to walk through the process. And so uh, once an advisor is just sits down and has those initial conversations, they see how this can be game changing for their business. They're looking for what.
1: Well, that's actually why, Kristen, I think there needs to be a name change. Because frankly, if you ask me, do I want an ESG portfolio? No, I I really don't care. (laughs) But, But if you ask me, Personally, would you like your portfolio to align with your values? I go, oh, hell yeah. If I've got my money in places that align with what I believe and kind of, you know, uh, Stephen Covey had this whole thing about a family mission statement and I can have this bigger impact on the world with my money. I'm making money and I'm doing things that align. It seems close to the same conversation, but really a different conversation when you're talking about my values in particular.
6: Sure, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. And so it's resonating with really all demographics, right? Not just millennials or women, but people from all sides of the political spectrum, from all demographics are like, of course, I want to use my money in ways that uh, support companies that have similar values to mine and actually are doing good things in the world. So many advisors have now started using this concept and this way to personalize and invest intentionally um, in order to, um, to really grow their business to make more meaningful relationships with their existing clients. Yeah. It's just a way to get closer and make a difference.
1: I'm smiling because a couple of years ago we had on the guy that ran the vice fund. And I'm just wondering if you, any advisors <laughs> report to you, they've had these conversations like, well, I, I want a portfolio where we drill more or I want one that's all cigarettes. <laughs> like if I could get more alcohol in my portfolio, Kristen, <laughs> that would
6: be awesome. Any of those experiences? We have. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, really? I remember one particular experience that was like, you know what? I, I think all the, vi- yeah, I think some of the vice stocks might be good. Can we do that? And so we'll joke about that. But you know what? One of our examples we use for ESG is one of the large beer companies. And so, yes, in the negative screen land, some people may not want alcohol in their portfolio, but in ESG and what that means is about the company's operations and how they're treating people and their corporate integrity. And so one of the large beer companies, actually does really well from that perspective. They're doing well for their employees. They have targets to to help the environment and have better packaging. So ESG is more about like, how can any company, no matter what product you're making, basically do better, you know, in terms of their people and their operations. And guess what? That's better for business. But yeah, no, we have heard some of that some of those, you know, vice fund stories. And that's fine too. I say, if you want a vice fund, you can, um, you know, some of the index funds that you may be holding right now may actually have some of those vice stocks that you may like. So. But I love uh, this, <laughs> but I
1: love the change of going to a positive screen. Cause you're right. Yeah. It used to be, nope, there would be no, you know, whatever the thing might be. And to your point, uh, corporate responsibility, that's, that's super. So then advisors can offer a product. You guys have a product. Tell me about the Seeds product then. It sounds like it's a separately managed fund. Everybody has their own portfolio.
6: Yeah. So at the end result of this experience we talked about between an advisor and a client is the advisor being able to propose A portfolio, a customized portfolio that really speaks to what they heard from the client, what they care about. What that is is a full allocation. So on the equity side, it's a portfolio of stocks, like of companies that are customized to the person. And then on the fixed income side, it is a separately managed account of uh, mutual funds and ETFs. It's a full allocation, and we'll you know we'll be expanding that in the future. But the customization is really important because. Values are personal. And so why shouldn't investing be personal?
1: I think there's uh, two takeaways here. Number one is if you're not having that discussion with your advisor about values, I would bring it up. The other takeaway, Kristen, if there's advisors listening and they want to learn more, where do they go?
6: So you can check us out on our website, www.seedsinvestor.com or uh, feel free to email me directly, Kristen at seedsinvestor.com.
1: Nice. And you know what? If you're walking the dog, we have you covered. We'll have links to Kristen and to Seeds Investor on our show notes at stackingbenjamins.com. I know when we finish this, you're going to be playing with that dollhouse behind you. So have a (laughs) fantastic (laughs) afternoon, Kristen.
6: Awesome. Joe, this was awesome. And thank you so much for the opportunity to talk about how we can all think about making our money more meaningful in the world. Really was a pleasure.
0: Hey trivia fans, I'm your trivia host, Joe's mom's neighbor Doug, and today is a workout wake-up call, people. It's National Kick Butts Day. As soon as I saw that on Joe's mom's holiday calendar, I knew I needed to be all prepped and ready to head out to the gun show, if you know what I mean. Let's all get ready for a heavy workout, peeps, but also, just in case someone takes Kick Butts Day the wrong way, I'll admit... I'm also all padded up where it counts that way if og tries to land a quick one on my old behind no problemo but overall i gotta say there's been no butt kicking yet it's been too quiet but before i peek to see what's really up let's get to today's trivia question Do you know where they kick a lot of butts in the WWE, of course. So our question is, what was WWE revenue in 2019? I'll be back faster than you can go kick some butts yourself.
1: Well, if you're new to this shindig, we have a weekly contest between our three uh, normal contributors, which are Len Penzo and Paula Pant, who both have the week off and OG. So we'll just keep this, uh, we'll keep the genders, the same guys, Pam, you'll play on behalf of Paula, who surprisingly is in a tie for second. Uh, usually at this time of year, she falls back and then roars back to the front later, but she's got three. OG has three and doc G you'll play on behalf of two time champion Len Penzo who has four. So no pressure to anybody here. I didn't know where I'm going with that. But, but, but anyway, that means, Doc, because you're playing on behalf of the two-time reigning champion, Len Penzo, you get to go first. It is my supreme pleasure to make sure that we
3: pull Len down in the standings. Back to <laughs> Keep everyone it close. else. So WWE 2019, <laughs> this is clearly obvious. In fact, so obvious I might just miff it to be fair to everyone else. Um, I'm going
1: to say... Geez, I have no clue. I'm going to say 50 billion. 50 billion dollars with a b. Yeah. And uh, OG, you're in the middle.
2: Yeah, it's it's I don't think it's that much. Um all of WWE you said revenue? Is that what this this is. Revenue, yeah. Top line numbers for WWE um I'm going to say the number is uh, 4. 375
4: billion 4.375 billion all right pam (laughs) so the last time i played and you know i wanted paula to win and i went wait i just made up some ridiculous number and all i had to do was go one higher than doug like that was it and i didn't do that but billion (laughs) feels so big but if he's saying point four point what I read, 375. 375. I'm gonna say 4.376. I'm just gonna go one
1: more. Oh, you're going a little higher than
4: him. I thought you said you were going lower. Well, I feel like I want to go lower, but they both went billion. I, I have no strategy yeah. whatsoever, so yeah. Well, there d- 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 I, I want to say some millions. I don't, I don't know. Is it that popular? I, I have no idea. Wrestling. Is wrestling, po- are you asking me if wrestling's popular? I, I'm sorry.
2: Final answer, Pam.
4: <laughs> okay. All right. I'm going to go one more dollar. So I'll, yeah, I will say 4.376. There you go. That's what I'm, that's my it's final more, answer.
2: more than $1, but I get it.
4: Yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 Good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> 3.4.375. Got it. Yeah. All right. Uh right. We'd love to tell you who's right, but of course we can't do that yet. We'll be right back. Hey, stackers, you know, after a year of uncertainty, it's important to build your financial confidence back up. And one of the best ways to do that is to get into a routine and developing good savings habits. In fact, it's funny. I found the same thing just with my physical workouts lately. I've had good savings habits for a long time now, but when it comes to a morning routine where I actually get out and exercise before my body knows it, I need to get that back after six months of traveling. And finally, the last few weeks, I've signed up for a half marathon. I've gotten my workouts together. I ran 18 miles last week. It feels really, really good. And it can be the same for you and your savings habits. Well, you can learn some great savings tools and tips from Navy Federal Credit Union Savings Learning Center. There's everything there, whether it's planning for college, retirement, a rainy day fund, long term goals. They can help you start planning and getting that muscle back together. And we all know that life in the military already comes with all sorts of financial challenges, whether it's a deployment, your EAS day or retirement, it doesn't matter. You have to build that habit. Navy Federal offers free savings accounts for your every need. So if you want to save with a credit union that helps you build financial confidence, find out more at NavyFederal.org. Becoming a member at Navy Federal Credit Union could help you earn more and save more. Their certificate options could earn you more than standard savings accounts with competitive rates. Not all financial institutions offer you as many choices for savings options as Navy Federal does. For example, you could start your savings journey with a low minimum deposit, add money at any time, and watch your savings grow. Thanks to flexible terms, you can use Navy Federal savings options for all kinds of goals, short or long-term considering a big home improvement project maybe you want to consolidate debt you could borrow up to 100 percent of your home's equity with a fixed rate home equity loan with zero closing cost or easily borrow as you go with a home equity line of credit both options could help make life's big expenses seem more manageable To learn more, visit NavyFederal.org. At Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equal housing lender, membership required, terms and conditions apply, loan subject to approval. Doc, it appears you are much higher than everybody else, my friend. You got a a good number. In
2: more ways than you know.
1: (laughs) I was about to say, that's not unusual for me. (laughs) If the number's 30 billion, you got it, brother. You're good. And OG, you got the rest of the middle. How you feeling? Well, you know, you don't. You've got the low side.
2: I got the under. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I have no concept of where WWE falls.
1: Uh, Pam, clearly with her answer, you're a big fan. Big WWE fan. It's wrestling. <laughs> it's
4: wrestling. Is wrestling popular. a thing. You know it's,
1: <laughs> and it's all real. It's all totally oh, real. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know what the Rock's cooking, Pam? I'm afraid I don't. (laughs) Oh, man. All right. All right, Doug. What's our answer, man? Hey, stackers, it's
0: your pal, Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And I'm starting to feel overdressed for National Kick Butts Day. Here, I was thinking that either we'd have a group of stackers waiting to go do a Rocky-style run around the block, shucking and jiving, or Joe and G would just be waiting for an excuse on the calendar to deliver a butt-kicking to yours truly. I'm a lover, not a fighter, boys, so I would never just kick people for the fun of it, and neither should you, kids. But you can't trust those two. But the rest of you, let's kick some butt! While you get stretched out, why don't I give you today's trivia answer? The question was What was the WWE revenue in 2019? It was actually a record setting year for the WWE. They pulled in $960 million in revenue. Probably because it's obviously real wrestling and super entertaining. All right, everybody, let's go meet outside. Let's go kick some butts, people! See,
3: See, I told you I had to leave Whew. it for that. I told you that was going to happen. <laughs> the problem was I was too close on our last trivia. I was only off by a factor of two. <laughs> so that was like going to be the closest I get this quarter. You'd be off by a factor
2: of 50. <laughs> at least, <laughs> at least Joe tried to help so you hurtful. out, Pam. She he I, was I, trying. I
4: I know, I, I know, I know. Sorry, Paula. Oh, I, I, yeah. Your gut instinct oh, well. was right, Pam. Uh, I know I should have gone lower. I was like billion. Do that many people watch it? And I, I just and, uh, didn't trust my gut. Uh, yeah.
1: Can't play. Uh, such a, such a big wrestling fan. And you had no idea. <laughs> OG takes it home and tied for the lead again. Nice job. OG. Good work. <sighs>
2: Thank you. Thank you, everybody.
1: Hey, guys. Uh, before OG pats himself in the back too hard, let's help somebody magnify their money. Today's magnify money question comes to us via stackybedjamins.com forward slash magnify money. You know what happens, Pam, when you go to com forward slash magnify money?
4: No. What happens? What? what? Oh, oh wait, I don't know. To say what's the punch line? what am i supposed to say no you, no you know oh, you said exactly the same thing everybody always says okay what
3: so, you're supposed to say is the financial products at most brick and mortar institutions are <laughs>
1: nowhere near best in class over 92 percent are rated like doc was going to say next against each other head to head at magnifymoney.com. you stacky forward slash magnify money pam to tell them that we set you And then whether it's uh, checking accounts, savings accounts, if you're comparing rates on savings, CDs, uh, if you are looking for reward credit cards, balance transfers to get your financial act together. If you need to consolidate your debt, it's all there. All those products you use day in, day out, stackybedjamins.com forward slash magnify money. Today, we're going to help Dan magnify his money. Say hi, Dan.
5: Hey there SB team, it's Doug's mom's neighbor Dan here calling in from my mom's basement. I've got a setup and a question for you. I'm turning 23 in March, graduated from college this past May during the age of COVID, and I'm currently living at home not having to worry about rent or food expenses. Around June, I was hired as a full-time hourly contract employee to work in a high-throughput COVID testing lab, receiving no benefits or 401k match. But this month, I was converted from an hourly employee to a salaried employee, getting a significant raise, a 6% match, and a very solid benefits package to boot. Before this change, I'd been putting your advice to work automating about 15% of each paycheck into a savings account and emergency fund, paying off my credit cards and car payment in full, and investing the remaining roughly 60%. Now that I'm making more money with no expected increases in expenses for the next few months at least, What are your thoughts on changing my plan away from the 15% deposits into savings and moving those into my investment portfolio? The way I see it, I want to make as much of my money work for me while I have so few bills. I'd rather invest the money than let it sit doing nothing in my savings, knowing I've already established good saving and spending habits for when I move out and start taking on more expenses. Thanks for all the help.
1: Dan, thanks so much for the call. And uh, before I turn this over, I'd say, remember that open honest conversation. We just had about money, about sharing things. I wouldn't share with your parents the fact that you got a monster raise. I would, I would, I would come home and complain about how bad work is and just rake it in, man. Just, just rake it in. No, that's probably not great advice. Uh, Pam, what do you think for Dan saving 60% before, and now he's saving oodles of money. What should he, what
4: should he do? I think he should give his mom some money. That's what I think he should do. I mean, (laughs) living in her house, she she taught him all these great money lessons, right? That's what he should do. So it sounds like, I mean, he's paid off his credit card debt. So he's paid off consumer debt. It sounds like he has no student loan debt to me. So it sounds like he's, you know, he's already a lot of debt, which is awesome. And he's socked away a a nice chunk of it. um, That's investing, and he's doing the company match, which is great. So, first, congratulations! Just sit and take that. At twenty-three, you know, this is almost twenty-three. It says a lot. It says a lot about him and his his mother, his parents. I tend to be a very aggressive saver, so and a very aggressive investor, um, especially while you're young and he's living at home. And these are some uncertain times. Again, with the disclaimer that I am not a financial investor or advisor or anything like that at all but i would say why well, you can do it because you know we saw what happened last year there's so much uncertainty and you know he he's, has the security of home right now and and continue to aggressively save and plan for your next steps so um so you know,
1: take advantage of it
4: yeah i, I say take advantage yeah. of it absolutely he, he's done the right thing by paying off the credit he said credit card and card loan so um and i'm assuming that his. You know, there is no student loan debt, or he's really working to knock that off as well. And so that 15%, you know, whatever this raise would be, by all means, but do please do something nice for your mom. Take her out to dinner or, you know, order dinner in. Do something nice for her, please, for me. So, yeah. Yes.
1: <laughs> and for your favorite podcast, Dan, just saying. <laughs> Come on, uh, Doc. Yeah, I mean, I hate to sound all
3: Dave Ramsey, but you do the kind of the basic steps, right? Make sure that you have an adequate emergency fund. Make sure all your debt is paid off. And once you do that, uh, I'm going to steal OG's answer. What I suspect OG's answer is going to be is that, you know, live like you never got the raise and take the rest and invest it, right? Because we all know that if you compound well between 20 and 30, you put enough money away in investments between 20 and 30, it will last you the rest of your life and uh, people who tend to what I call front load the sacrifice, invest wisely between 20 and 30, just have a lot easier life as they get into their 30s, 40s and 50s. So that's what I'd say.
2: Oh, uh, gee. This is really such great news, I think, for Dan and everybody around him. I do agree. Take mom out to dinner or DoorDash or something nice, you know, or drizzly some, some wine up in your hizzy you know, whatever you want to do. Thank mom for a little putting up with you for a little while. The temptation that you have or that you're talking about is trying to build the pyramid the wrong way. You're saying like, I don't have a lot of expenses. Cash sucks. It doesn't pay me anything. We talked earlier about if the bank is in your life, you know, it sucks. But that's what gives you the flexibility to be able to be aggressive on the investing side. You have to have a cash reserve and it can't be like 1200 bucks. It needs to be a good number, like 5 grand or 10 grand because you may not have $3,000 a month of expenses today but you're gonna and it's gonna happen before you before you think about it. So get that safety reserve, get that safety net in place and then absolutely swing for the fences on all of your investing. You can max out your 401k, all in the Roth if you have the Roth option available to you. You can you know, so that's 20 grand. You can put money in your Roth IRA if you don't make whatever the limit is this year. I don't know, 100 something I think. So that's another 6 grand. And so if you've got that done, you can go to an HSA if that's available that's another 3500 bucks if you've got that available to you so now you're at almost $30,000 a year so if you still have money after and and by the way all of those places are tax free money for the rest of your life so HSA Roth Roth 401k tax free forever and then uh, if you still have money left over you're still thinking hey I still got money then put it in your taxable brokerage account and all of that can be automated you can say hey I've got 13 paychecks left this year. I've got 22 paychecks left this year. I want to max out my 401k, do the math, figure it out, and uh, do the same for your Roth, do the same for your brokerage account, save for your HSA. And if you set that up now, your next pay raise, you, you get a pay raise personally, because right now you don't need it. right? So you went from making, let's say, 20 grand, and now you make 60 grand. I don't I'm just making the numbers up. Save all that extra 40. right? And then you go from 60 to 100, now you've earned the opportunity to spend some of that because you've already built in the behavior of that thirty or forty thousand dollars a year of savings. Which, like Doc G said, it, it just bust out a calculator and say, "Well, if I save forty grand a year, thirty grand a year, twenty grand a year, ten grand a year for the next ten Holy years, cow. yeah, and then never save another penny, like like do it for ten years and then never save anything for the next thirty years and see how much money lock, you have. Lock it in. It's a bucket."
1: The only other thing that I will add that I love, uh, Pam, Doc, OG, what all you guys said is that the thing that I don't want you to do, Dan, is evaluate your results too soon because the market could get volatile. At some point, it could get volatile when you first start out, could get volatile later on. There could be a point where you feel like you're down a lot. And I've seen people start off aggressively investing and they stop because they learned the wrong lesson. And early on, volatility is your friend. Even if the first things you invest, let's say you you know put a bunch of money in for six months and then the market goes really in the toilet right away, that actually is a good thing because you're just at the start of your journey. And even though that first one didn't go the way you wanted to, it'll be back 30 years from now, but you can now put money in much lower at lower prices without having to worry about it. But I But people don't learn that lesson. I feel like too many people go, "Oh, I did that. That I burned burned. Never going to do that again. I'm just going to save into a savings account." And then they end up uh end up never making any money very safely, by the way, never making any money right. <laughs> because it's in the savings account. So thanks for the question, Dan, if you've got a question for our team, head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash voicemail, and we'll be very happy to answer it. Congratulations, Dan. Really, that's a great place to be in and uh, fantastic work. And the fact that, that, that your parents let you stay there and maximize that. I mean, we're talking about financial conversations today. That's that's a that's a great place place to be a place where a lot of people don't get to be frankly so take advantage of it. All right, that's going to do it for today. See what you guys got going on uh, where you live. O G, what's happening with you this weekend?
2: Just wrapping up spring break. We've got uh, uh, no, we didn't do anything this week. We just you know, COVID can't go anywhere. So next week, kids have school. Week after that is another short week because then it's Easter week at the end of that. So like I tell okay. my kids, hey, just just keep your Head down, head. Yeah, that's not what I usually say, but uh, I know I throw some language in there, but you know what I mean. Keep, keep focused. Keep your focus together. That's what I would say for the next two weeks. Just another help, break.
1: I, I was going to help you modify that for PG Radio. Thank you. So, uh, Doc, what's going on at the
3: Earn and Invest Podcast? Well, this coming Monday, we have Andy and Nicole Hill, as well as Jen Smith.
1: I have my up- old neighbor.
3: Yeah. Talking about leaving your job to freelance. So, you know, especially he's been freelancing in a time of COVID and he has been doing work in his car. So if you've been paying attention to him on Facebook and Instagram, uh, you can hear him talk about that. And then on Thursday, the creator of FreshBooks, Mike McDermott is coming on. So it's going to be a fun week.
1: It is a fun week. And by the way, if you like these conversations, these roundtable conversations every Monday, Doc, you're leading this conversation. I am, and yet somehow we still survive. <laughs> <laughs> you, people live to talk about it. It's incredible. Pam, thanks for joining us again, my friend. Thanks for having me. As always, I loved it, loved it, loved it. So, <laughs> well, let's t- let's talk first about the podcast, about the Scholarship Shark podcast. What do you got coming up?
4: We're going to start to talk a little bit more about just those. So we layer a lot of college planning this year With COVID. So we're going to start talking more about, you know, those next steps. Are you taking a gap year? And how do you make that decision? Because a lot of families have decided, or a lot of students decided, you know, I'm not getting a residential experience. You know, is it worth it to start school, you know, post pandemic? So just more of those conversations about college planning in a COVID world. So just more of that. Um, more of those conversations.
1: They're, they're so good. And you'll find that wherever finer podcasts are distributed for free.
4: <laughs> yes.
1: yes. <laughs> and something that's not free, but very valuable. Our scholarship mastery course that you are the headmaster of that closes tomorrow. And you and I yesterday did a Facebook live. If people want to go hunt for that, you'll see that. And I think we're going to we going to put it on YouTube, Pam.
4: Sure, or is it a YouTube
1: not? live? Is it a YouTube it's, live? It's
4: it's Facebook live, but I'm sure your team will, you know, put it, put it out there
1: wherever, wherever. Pam's live. like, yes, yes, have your people put it wherever. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Thanks, Pam. That's yes. good. Job security for the yes. team. There you go. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but big things people, because this closes tomorrow, big thing people need to know that are maybe looking at college in the near future.
4: Absolutely. So they've made the decision, they're hearing back from schools and, and some families are trying to figure out how to cover that gap. And what I find every time we do this, it's not the information, it's really that accountability. It's knowing what to do, the step by step by step. But then it's also meeting because we do have live sessions that we're doing in the beginning to kind of honor anthem, so to speak what I find very interesting, parents pay for it right away. And, and so it's really not until we show up live that the students really do start taking off and they're like, oh, I'm like, yeah, that was in the video. But so I just think it's really important. Of course, I'm, you know, I'm slightly biased. I think it's a great course <laughs> uh, if you ask me, but, and it gets results. But I think the live piece, you know, I really wanted, because I'm a mom, I get it. I know how busy my kids are and distracted, you know, with all kinds of good distractions, work and school and friends and all that stuff. And so having the live coaching part and staying on track week by week until they build the system has made all the difference.
1: It's so fun to watch people not just get money, but gain these skills at the same time. Like it, it, you, you end up the investment in the mastery course ends up being, you end up making money because of that, but you also end up maybe with a better job out of college. You end up knowing how to play to the judge. You end up knowing how to create your LinkedIn profile like these life skills, it's stackybenjamins.com forward slash scholarship for more, or go to Facebook or YouTube. You can watch the video. See Pam and I talk about it even more. I think that's it. I think we just go ta-da at that point. All right, Doug, (laughs) Doug, you got it from here, man. What should we have learned on today's show? So
0: what should we have learned today? First, take a lesson from our round table. Want to create a family that's financially savvy? Families that retain money are better at communicating than other families. So, work on having those conversations to make all of your family better with money. Second, take a lesson from Kristen from Seeds Investor. Aligning your portfolio with your values, that can be profitable and meet your standards, whatever they are. But the big lesson? (laughs) Nobody showed up for National Kick Butts Day. And then I, I looked it up and... Turns out that National Kick Butts Day is a national day of activism that tries to empower young people to stand out, speak up, and raise awareness of the problem of tobacco use in their states and communities. It's a great cause. Kick butts like cigarette butts. Yeah, I I knew it. I, I totally, I knew that. I totally knew that. To learn more about our guests and for more resources, you can head to our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. You can learn more about Doc G by listening to the Earn and Invest podcast, and you can learn more from Pam Andrews by heading to the thescholarshipshark.com. You can get more information about Seeds Invest by heading to our show notes page or simply go to seedsinvestor.com. This show is created by Joe Salcihai, produced by Karen Rapine, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter, at SBenjamin'sCast, or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I'm pretty much the guy in charge of everything around here. Trust me, this well-oiled machine didn't get like this all by itself. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remunerations. That's a big word. There's no way you take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. And before making any financial decisions, consult with a real financial advisor. But seriously, kids, I will kick your butt if you smoke.
1: We talked about smart money conversations earlier. What is, I was just thinking about dumb money conversations or dumb money, money moments. Doc, you're, you're nodding. Do you have one? What- Yes, and
3: I know that this is one of your favorites too. The dumb money conversation that keeps on coming up on, unfortunately, this podcast, but that I keep on discussing too, is this whole idea of optimizing your savings account return, right? Making sure I get that extra 0.1% every on single my dollar. savings. I am so tired of that conversation. I get it. I know that people feel very uncomfortable knowing their emergency fund or whatever is sitting in a low interest bearing account, but it is just really not worth your time to be searching from account to account to get the highest interest bearing savings account. It's just, I'm sorry. And maybe this is from a place of privilege. I apologize, but uh, that I'm tired of that
1: conversation. Well, there is, there was a point in my life where I had to pick up all those pennies. So I get that there was a point when seriously, when I was, it's just so incredibly broke, but so many people who aren't there, you're right, doc, that just, but I wasn't even talking about that type of of thing. I was, (laughs) I was talking about this. So my side gig in college was disc jockeying. We had this suburban, this beat up suburban. And my brother and I would go and we would do these high school dances and stuff and, and get paid. And afterwards we'd always go have some healthy food like Wendy's or Taco Bell or whatever. Well, there's one night I drive into this Taco Bell and the bill is like $3 and 65 cents. And I pull up, I hand the guy a five and the person hands me back $11 and 35 cents. And what I should have done, because I knew at the time I was smart enough to know that that was the wrong change. And, and this, and I still feel, I still feel a little guilty. Well, that kind of gives away what I did. But, but right in my brain at that moment, I remember this, this piece of comedy from from one of my favorite comedians, where he said that he found a wallet while he was roller skating through the park and it had like a hundred dollar bill in it. And he thought to himself, if I lost a hundred dollars, what would I want to have happen? And my brain said, I'd want to be taught a lesson. (laughs) And so I looked at the dude who gave me this extra money and I smiled and I drove off and that is horrible. And I still feel bad to this day, but at the time I, I, I got Taco Bell and some money. That was a good ROI. I
3: was was about to say, Joe, if you were really using your brain, you would have turned back around and gone through again. Right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I would have actually kept the money and handed back the Taco Bell (laughs) is what I I probably should have done. Uh, Anybody have a bad money moment like that?
2: Emo Phillips, by the way, is the comedian you're looking for. Emo Phillips, yes. Yes. Emo. I had a paper out when I was a kid, and I got paid pretty good for an 11-year-old, like 200 bucks a month, which was, was a lot of cash back in. Let's just say the eighties. And um it took me a while to like start investing, but I actually, you know, started investing. That's how I bought my first car, was I invested in uh Franklin Mutual Funds at the bank. But before that, I was the richest kid like in the entire universe. Like I always had money, like tons of it. Always had cash. Uh I remember going down to the corner store. We had like a little corner store about maybe four blocks away that we could walk to. And I was like, I think I'm gonna buy all the Laffy Taffys. You know, they're a nickel a piece, right? So it was just like the big bin and you'd pick out. I want two watermelons and a blueberry. You know, it was 15 cents. And I just totally went, like, took one of the things and dumped it out. And I went, I'll take them all. And the guy's like, all right. And he just starts counting like two, four <laughs> or six, eight, eight. He's, he
1: wasn't nearly as impressed as you hoped he would. Be.
2: He was not. He was not at all impressed. He was oh, just he like, was
1: gonna make it rain.
2: wait until your dad <laughs> hears about this. Well, this is back in the day where, I mean, could you imagine doing this today? But you could walk into the store and go, hey, uh, and like put up, yeah, as an 11-year-old, a 12-pack of beer, get two packs of Winston winston's and he would just kind of look at you and he goes your dad out there and you go yeah he's well he parked around the corner and the guy would be like all right and then you know and you walk out of the corner store with a case of beer and and that benefited me as well because by the time i was like 16 i'm like hey how's it going he's like hey i go yeah dad oh shoot i guess he didn't park right there but yeah there was a car there he went and he's like all right tell tell your dad i said hello i'm like will do you know and i put him in my bike and i'm like riding down the bike you know but i bought all the uh out of the laffy taffy. Light Yeah, open, just, 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 right, just brown bagging right, it right. as a sixteen-year-old. Uh, we, we didn't have any money when I was a kid, so the fact that I could buy anything I wanted, at, like anything I wanted, I could buy any pair of shoes I wanted, I could buy any pair of clothes that I wanted, any pair of jeans, and as much laffy taffy as I could carry. So you
1: had like your corner, your little neighborhood, like trading places moment where you cornered the market on laffy taffy. <laughs> I
2: did. You yeah. could
1: you could have like run up the price. They had to buy it from you for
2: so so all of that terrible behavior continued through high school. Like because I always had money because I always worked. I've I've never not worked. Even I mean, I had the paper out. Think about it, if
1: you if you had that money back now.
2: Oh God, I know. Instead of the forty two pounds of laffy taffy I carry around my waist, he'd be a should, thousand, have, he'd be a should. thousandaire. I'd be a you thousand. You
1: should have told Dan that. Dan, with your big raise,
2: I know. Go buy a bunch of as legs. much as you can stomach. It's unbelievably good. But it was the square ones. What is even the flat ones that are like really super chewy? It was the square, you know. Anyways, so when I got to high school, everything was great. I worked during high school. Always had money. So at eighteen, I was told, "What do you got to do at eighteen? You got to get a credit card because you have to like get your credit right away. Like you have to get it. Just like otherwise somebody would." Take it or something, you know. So I, uh, so I got a credit card, and it was for a gas station, which is a great thing to get. It's very useful at other places that all have the same gas. Like, not at all. Yeah, not in the least. And it was a two hundred dollar limit, and so it was really a, quite a deal. I would go to the gas station. I would put my forty two cents of gas in my car, whatever it was, a dollar sixty, you know, for the day or few days that I needed, and I would go in and get like you know a coke.
3: Cigarettes
2: and beer, <laughs> or cigarettes and beer. <laughs> just Dad's
3: like out the car.
2: D- well, that you know, it had to be the place that you knew, right? It couldn't be just like a rando place. And I was driving by then, so um, you didn't drive and drink beer, Doc. Come on, nobody does that.
3: I but, don't say drink it; I meant carry it. But
2: here's what I Beard here's you. what I figured out. So, so one time I had my buddies in the car, and I'm like, "Hey, I'll get like what do you what do you guys need?" They were like, "Oh, I'll take a bag of chips and some candy and some cokes and all this stuff." And I said, "Well, you guys pay me cash." So I was like, this is the greatest thing in the world. I put credit card down. I get cash. So I have this big pile of cash. Now I can spend twice as much because this is fantastic. You're laundering money. Yeah. I mean, like Clark gas station had no idea what just hit him. (laughs) And then seriously, like 30 (laughs) days later, the bill comes and it's like, you've maxed out your credit card. It's $200. My mom's like, so what now? I'm like, whoa, crap. I spent all the money my buddies gave me, so that was my that was my lesson in uh, credit management. It didn't stick, but that was one of my lessons in credit management.
3: You had to try that one at least twice
2: <laughs> at least
1: the second time to make sure
2: at least twice
1: Well, stackers, this episode is over, but you know what? your homework has just begun, and it's not about what you know it's about what you do, and partnering with the right organizations is a huge part of your success well let me tell you becoming a member at navy federal credit union could help you earn more and save more their certificate options could earn you more than standard savings accounts with competitive rates now not all financial institutions offer you as many choices for savings options as navy federal does for example you could start your savings journey with a low minimum deposit add money at any time and watch your savings grow thanks to flexible terms You can use Navy Federal savings options for all kinds of goals, short or long-term. Considering a big home improvement project, maybe you want to consolidate debt. Begin, stackers, with your debt strategy. Decide what the best terms are and conditions for the debt that you want to take, and then decide on the products. And With Navy Federal, you can borrow up to 100% of your home's equity with a fixed-rate home equity loan with zero closing costs, or easily borrow as you go with a home equity line of credit. Both options could help make life's big expenses seem more manageable as you work your way through life. To learn more, visit NavyFederal.org. At Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equalizing lender, membership required. Terms and conditions apply, loans subject to approval.